This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer. Our goal every year is to win a championship. Can we run down again why Cashman and Boone are doing such an excellent job? Because I feel like I need a little clarification because in the last year, Brian Cashman has done a terrible job. There's a thin line between support and craziness. And I understand that you want to be supportive of your of your group, okay? It's one family, but you have to be realistic, Gordon. I mean, at least tell me there's some moves we'd like to have back. I mean, I'll take that. Well, you can't tell me that there's accountability and then fail to criticize anybody within the organization. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer. On 98.7 ESPN. Our number two, Wednesday night edition of the show on 98.7 ESPN. 1-800-919-3776. Also via Twitter, at Hardesty ESPN, at ESPNNY98 underscore 7 FM, at Gordon Damer. First hour, we talked to the little Yankees, as you just heard. Talked some Hal Steinbrenner, but Gordon, I got some phone calls today. You did? Yes. About the Celtics in the NBA making a move to bring in Christophs Porzingis. On the move, the big man, huh? And I'm trying to figure out, and I text a very good friend of mine who I kind of understand what they're talking about because originally when I saw this, I'm like, does that mean Brown is leaving? Because how are they they going to have uh, KP, Mm -hmm. Brown, and company in that? How's that going to work? How? How many basketballs are on that team? So that was the first thing that came into my mind. So, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm curious to see how this is eventually going to work out. Yeah, it's a, it's a puzzling move. Um, now, Porzingis did have a very good season this year. Mm-hmm. He, he kind of stayed healthy uh, mm-hmm. for the most part. So um, it'll be interesting to see how, if that deal does come down, what they give up, what they're, how, how they're going to structure that. Because it's a big piece to add, I guess, but... Yeah, you're, it's, it, it, I, I didn't think that that was the first thing that the Celtics needed. No, I didn't either. So the deal is, according to Woj, uh, part of the proposed framework, Porzingis would opt into his $36 million contract for this coming season, go from Washington to Boston. Malcolm Brogdon, the sixth man of the year, would go from the Celtics to the Clippers. And the Wizards would receive Marcus Morris, Amir Coffey, and the 30th, 30th pick in this year's draft from the Clippers, along with Danilo Gallinari from Boston. So that's how that's how it is right now. Now, of course, it could change mm-hmm. and do some things, but that's how it's, it's not official yet, so that's what they're looking at to try to get it done that way. Uh, to be honest with you, I think, and I agree with, with uh, one of the folks that I spoke with, uh, Brogdon, the sixth man, that's going to hurt them. Yeah. That's going to hurt them. He had a good season for them, and he was – he was kind of Marcus Smart insurance mm-hmm. because Smart, you know, he he's not as, as he gets older, he is less reliable. Seems like from a scoring standpoint, mm-hmm. you know. And even though to me, in a lot of ways, he's the heart and soul of the team, which is crazy, right? But he he is. He seems like as as he goes, so the team goes from an emotional standpoint. 
So I'm, I'm really curious as to why they made that move. To me, I think they needed somebody to run their offense. I think they needed a you know, point guard or something. Now you could say, well, Larry, look, you know, with the guys they have, you know, those guys handle the ball. Those guys can do what they want to do. But nevertheless, I just thought that they needed somebody that could organize it a little bit better. And that's not what they did. According to this, if this goes through, they're going to continue to try to stretch the floor. And, uh, you know, KP, listen, he can shoot the three. There's no question about it. Yeah. And, and they will stretch the floor a little bit more. But then who's the center? Does You know, because, I mean, that makes them kind of big and slow. Yeah, it makes him big without, like, the good parts of being big. Like, he, Porzingis is not really a rebounder. Uh, he's not going to give you uh, any physicality or anything like that. Uh, yeah, it's, it's – um, I guess it would make them uh, – it could make them a little bit uh, – have more options in terms mm-hmm. of lineups. Yes. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's a strange move. Um, and, and it's great that he stayed healthy this year. Yeah, that doesn't no necessarily guarantee. mean he's going to be staying in the future either. It, it seems like a big swing for the Celtics where you're not giving up that much, but I don't know how mm-hmm. much sense it really makes. Yeah, yeah. And you know what it shows, though? Uh, Gordon, it shows that Boston feels that they've got to do something different. Yeah. So they're going to bring a, they're going to bring another piece of the puzzle in and see if this will work because what they've done, even though they've, I mean, they've been to the finals, they've been to the championship once, they've been to the Eastern Conference finals at least three or four times, it seems like. It seems like they're there almost every year. <laughs> and they haven't gotten to the finals but one time. So their thought process is we got to change something. You know, let, let's change it and see what we can do. That is changing something. Yeah. I don't know necessarily it's a great change, but it is it is a big move, that's for sure. No question about it. Gordon, there's a um, – the guys and I were talking earlier. Now, we mentioned last night that Obi was a little upset at mm-hmm. not playing in the yeah. postseason. Yeah. But there's some audio going around that, wow, Obi. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah, it seems like he had some sort of altercation with Tom Thibodeau uh-huh. um, after one of the playoff losses. Uh, the Post has a story. Uh, the Athletic has a, a part of it. Um, mm-hmm. the, the Post has a story that they saw that there was some sort of confrontation. They didn't understand what had gone on uh, specifically, but saw yep. that, that Obi was being led away uh, mm-hmm. by and calmed down by some teammates. I think it was Josh Hart and maybe uh, Julius Randle. Imagine but, that. Yeah, Julius right. Randle calming somebody down. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it, it kind of shows. There's been a lot of talk about Obi not being a Nick after mm-hmm. the draft, or maybe shortly afterwards. Um, after seeing this story come out there, it doesn't feel like a coincidence. It doesn't feel no. like this is just something that happened to break. Now it feels like it's a, an orchestrated thing where he is not going to be here. No, past the draft. No, I don't see it. He's going to either he's going to be gone at the draft or he's going to be packaged as part of a, a deal that they're going to try to make and get him out of here. And listen, it, it, it might be the best for him, Gordon. It, it clearly when you are as frustrated as he is to be in a situation that what we're hearing about and everybody. Listen, everybody wants to um, everybody wants to play. Okay, I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's what you work this hard for. You, you're doing this. You you want to make sure that, you know, you put in the work. You want to perform. You want to play. 
And he had a really good first game when Randall didn't play. And then in, in one of the games, I think it was game four, was it? I'm not sure. One of the games, he didn't play in the second half. Yeah, and I think he, that was game. I think that might have been game two. Two, right. I'm sorry. Yeah. And so he didn't play in the second half. And then, you know, they have the, the, the let's, let's, let's say this, they have the discussion after the game. And then he gets to play in the second half the rest of the series. So what, what does that say? What does that, what does that say if you're the Nick front office, right? That who's right here? Is it Tibbs for not playing him? Or is it, is it Toppin for, you know, being angry that he's not playing and he should handle it better? Well, he's frustrated, Gordon. Yeah. He's frustrated. Now, I'm not saying he handled it the right way. And guess what? Why would you want, if he didn't say anything behind closed doors, why would you want somebody like that that's happy with not playing? That's not what you would want. I'd want a guy who's not, I want a guy that if he's not, that we're not playing him, okay, talk to me about it. Let's talk about it. Show me what you're doing. Let's see what, what improvements you're making. But I, I don't want him to sit quiet and say, well, you know, I'm not playing. Okay, so I'm not playing this way it is. I want, some, I want him to be upset. I want him to want to play. That pick never has made any sense. Has not. Uh, they have never been able to get him and them on the same page. And look, uh, there's a lot of Nick fans that are Team Obi. They feel yeah. like they don't. Yep. They already don't like Tibbs. They already feel like this was the off season with all these coaches available that they should have moved off of Tibbs anyway. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be part of their ammunition that hey, look, they didn't develop Obi Toppin as well as they could have because when he does start and and when he started in his career, he started that that game one. The numbers were pretty good. Uh, yeah. Now I'm not going to tell you he was perfect, nope. but uh, I think he had 18 points and like 10 rebounds or something like that. So uh, it wasn't terrible. Uh, and he, he has shown flashes at times, but it just seems like no matter what happens, there has never been a consistent run for Obi Toppin with the Knicks. And it makes, uh, I know a lot of Knicks fans who don't like Tibbs already feel like, well, you're getting Tibbs uh, doghouse. You never get out proof positive Obi Toppin. So uh, it does not see, it seems like if Obi Toppin is going to reach his potential as a player, it's not going to be with the Knicks. Unlike Josh Hart. Obi Toppin is not a Tibbs guy. He is not a Tibbs guy. <laughs> Which makes you wonder, why did they draft him? Because they, th- I really believe, Gordon, they thought that Randall, they were going to move Randall, and he was going to replace Randall in, in the rotation. But could you go from, let's take the Randall part out of it. Can you go from not a Tibbs guy? Like, why would you, was he a Tibbs guy when they drafted him, and the fact that they still had Randall made him not a Tibbs guy? I would think that the type of player that Obi is and some of the, the, the growing pains that he had in that first season where it seemed like at times he didn't really have a good grasp on what he was supposed to be doing, especially on the defensive end, mm-hmm. I would think that, that just that kind of play, like Josh Hart to me is a Tibbs player, not just because of what he's done here, but he does everything. He, he plays defense. He does all the little things. That's what makes him a Tibbs guy. Obi is not really – he's an explosive player. He's got great physical ability, but it's just strange to me that 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 you would have drafted him thinking he could have been a Tibbs guy mm-hmm. when it was pretty clear he was never going to be a Tibbs guy. Yeah, yeah, you knew that. You knew it. They really should have went with the point guard. 
Halliburton. Yeah, they went, should have went with Halliburton, which everybody thought they were going to go. Yeah, yeah. That's where they should have went. He didn't. He That's didn't. He wasn't represented went. by CAA. That's a problem. Yeah, if you're not represented yeah, well, by CAA, forget it. No, no, uh, no shot for you here. Yep. Yeah. Looks that way. Well, it's not helping him now. <laughs> CAA is going to rep him when he leaves too. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. We'll continue the conversation on 98.7 ESPN. Sweetie, what are you doing? Don't you know that I watch the Knicks? This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. So, Gordon, we have an update. The Clippers are out of the three-team deal. Oh, much like Porzingis, it fell apart quickly. (laughs) Yep. So, Washington is still working on ways to get Porzingis to the Celtics. In an opt-in trade scenario, but it won't be the three-team deal with L.A. Celtics right. didn't want to wait deeper into Wednesday night on the completion of the deal. So. They'll find another team. Porzingis has, uh, they have until midnight. Otherwise. So the clock is ticking. The clock is ticking. Clock is ticking. So if no, if not, then that means Porzingis is still a wizard. And still being a wizard means that he can, uh, you know, they got to try to find a way to. Resign him, or he'll opt in or opt out or whatever he's going to do with it. So. Well, he's going to opt into the deal anyway. But I guess if he's a if he's a wizard, he's going to opt out of the deal and just right. become a free agent. Yeah, okay, mm-hmm. all right, that's right. Oh, can you? I want him to let him go to the Celtics. We can watch everything go wrong there with him. You know, the guys were just joking with me uh, about Porzingis, a front line of Randall Porzingis and Robinson. For the no, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm good. You know, there's some guys that leave and you have regrets and you wish it could have been different. He's not one of them. They obviously want to put Tibbs in the intensive, ter- intensive oh. care unit. <laughs> I mean, remember when he was here, you were holding your breath the entire time. And I'll tell you, I, I don't know him from a hole in the wall. Mm-hmm. Seems like a really good kid. Yes. If that kid went by Yama, turns out to be the force that people are making him out to be as the surefire number one pick, best pick since the best prospect since LeBron, I'll be stunned. Mm. I really will. A yeah. big, tall, thin guy. I don't know. It, I, I just don't see it. I, yeah. I understand he's skilled and he's tall, but I, I remember Sean Bradley. Yeah, so do I. 7'6". Mm-hmm. Big fella. Wait, wait until he put. I always hear, wait until they put on some muscle. Yeah, these guys, they never, they're never able to put on the muscle. Yep, their bodies are not, their bodies are not meant to put on a whole bunch of muscle. So yeah, it's true. I don't know. Well, I, I wish him the best. He seems like a good kid. He does. He, he had a, a, a little bit of a wild pitch there the other night at the Yankee game last night. Yep, uh, but um, he's definitely going to be the number one pick, and and we've known that for a couple of years now. But, yeah, uh, I I don't see. Th- some guys that you see instantaneously and you, you know that they're going to be a high pick, you're like, wow, yes, that guy, that is going to translate. I, I don't see him translating. Mm-hmm. I don't, uh, it's going to be interesting. I mean, he might be a good player, but, yeah. but if LeBron, you're coming in with that kind of hype, right, you are going to have to be the face of the league. Yeah. That's a I mean, tall, tall mountain to climb. It even is. At his height. It definitely. <laughs> I see what you did there. It's pretty good. Very impressive. Yeah. So, Gordon, did you did you hear? We have a uh, new Hall of Famer. A new Hall of Famer. Yes. 
Henrik Lundqvist. Oh, yes, Henrik Lundqvist, yes. Part of the 2023 Hockey Hall of Fame class. First year eligible candidate. I think Pierre Turgeon is another one, is he not? He is. Yes, he is. Look at you. Look at me. Boom. Pulling him out, right? Wow. Tom Barrasso, Mike Vernon. Also fellow goalies to Lundqvist, as you mentioned, Senator Pierre Turgeon. Mm -hmm. And uh, a Canadian women's hockey star, Caroline. I'm going to roll the dice and say Oulette. My apologies. Uh, I will not. Uh, I will not protest that. I'll, I will go with that pronunciation as well. And uh, Coach Ken Hitchcock. All right, there you go. Ken so Hitchcock making it in. Class. Good for yes. him. So that's your Hall of Fame class. And you know, had the chance, Gordon, to uh, parachute in on a couple of uh, Ranger runs with mm-hmm. Lundquist, and he was a fabulous goalie, Gordon. He was he was tremendous. And Harvey will remember the battles. Of uh, with the Knicks, with the Knicks, with the Rangers and Devils, and you know Marty's better, and mm-hmm. <laughs> you know Henrik, Henrik, and over at the Peru, Marty's better. So you know, having watched them, they were two outstanding goaltenders and uh, well deserving of the Hall of Fame. I don't know if there's a Hall of Fame for great hair, but Henrik Lundqvist is a first ballot Hall of Famer there as well. That guy's got a sensational head of hair. Still, still <laughs> looks great. Still. He does. He does. And you know what? He's done a nice job with the transition to uh, you Absolutely. Know, a little TV analyst. Too. It's hard and it's hard for the superstar to do that a lot of times. Yep. Sometimes it's hard for them to relate, but uh, no, he's done a good job. He has done a good job. And you know, he always, you know, he he knows his hockey. So he's done a nice job. So congratulations Henry Lundqvist on going to the Hall of Fame first year eligible candidate into the Hall of Fame. Gordon you know, we always go to the ballpark mm-hmm. uh, at the bottom of the hour. Yeah. And we take you to the ballpark and hear some audio and stuff like that. Um, is there any way that we can eliminate the Mets from the audio tonight? Yeah, we have not touched on the Mets. Uh, they, they they scored a lot of runs today. So mm-hmm. you know what that means. That means no pitching. <laughs> that, that's exactly what it means. And you knew that right away. You could you know, tell that yeah. right away this afternoon. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and you could tell the Mets were in trouble when they loaded the bases right away, nobody out, and still couldn't get a run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they got a run late. They got mm-hmm. runs late. Sure. But not enough. Oh, so frustrating. And that would, that would have been – look, I'm not going to tell you that that's going to erase everything or they're all of a sudden going to go on a run. But uh, I don't know. Just from a, from a confidence point of view, to be able to go into Houston – and battle back from being down early on and win a game. If they had been able to win that game, win a series against the Astros, who have not played great this year, but still, mm-hmm. baby steps. Just yep. something to move it in the right direction. You're six games under. There's six games under 500, Larry. I know. Can you see them winning six straight to get to 500 right now? I can't. No, because they're not I consistent. Can't. They are not consistent for six straight. If it would be one thing if they had gotten good pitching every night, but they just can't score runs, mm-hmm. or if it had been vice versa. They, they, the, the pitching's been rough, but the, the bats have really come alive. They don't do anything consistently enough. In six games, it'll be six different ways they lose: base paths, fielding. It is a it is a mess, and it's getting to be. I'm not saying it's crisis time yet. You still have a lot of games left. But they got a lot of teams in front of them. They do. And, and you know what? The Cardinals are not that far behind. Not now. Not now. Not thanks not to now. you. 
Not now. And yeah, four and, back in the loss column. And Cincinnati is is Oh, Cincinnati's light years ahead, right? Yeah. Cincinnati's leading the division right now. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? As bad as they've been? <laughs> it's unbelievable. All right. They tell me we have to do it. We'll go to the ballpark next on 987 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. It's ESPN New York Tonight on 98.7 ESPN. Freddie and Fitzsimmons at the top of the hour. We go around to the ballparks involving our local teams. For those of you on hold, hang in there. We'll get to you in a couple of minutes. We begin, where else? At Yankee Stadium. Yeah. That's where the Yankees beat the Seattle Mariners by the score of 4-2. to two. Johnny Brito, in a word, amazing tonight. Amazing. Five and two-thirds innings, two hits, no runs, a walk, and three strikeouts. His 11th appearance, 10th start of the season. Four, tossed five and two-thirds scoreless innings to earn his fourth win of the year. Marked his second career scoreless start. He also threw five scoreless innings in his Major League debut in April against San Francisco. Gordon, he's allowed three earned runs or fewer in eight of his 11 appearances this year and two earned runs or fewer in seven of those games. And even Aaron Boone had to say, you know what? He was pretty good. I thought he did a good job even incorporating his breaking ball, especially the first time through. You know, had a little bit of a presence with it. I think it helped him with the changeup moving forward, but for the most part, filling up the strike zone. I thought a little bit late. You know, he started to scatter a little bit, maybe got away with a couple mistakes, but, man, he was – man, he, he couldn't ask for much more than that. Gordon, he was really good. Yeah, and, and look, this is a good series for the Yankees because the Mariners have struggled to score runs even more than the Yankees have. So this was a good one to take advantage of. And uh, Brito, again, looked very polished, looked a lot more like a pitcher now that you see him after – when you watched him earlier in the season – uh, he's, he's progressed pretty quickly. So it's a nice little piece to have considering the amount of injuries you have in the, in the rotation right now. Absolutely. Hey, Aaron Boone, how'd the offense look tonight? It was good to see us really wear down a, an elite starter like that and make him work as hard as we did and, and get him out of there with, you know, what was for the most part, really quality at bats up and down. Quality at bats, Gordon, up and down the lineup tonight. I'll I'll play along. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Aaron Boone, what do you like about Volpe's ability to jumpstart this season? He's really good at it. He's not a burner. He's just really good at, you know, using momentum, does his homework. It's one thing to be able to do it. It's also to be able to do it. And, you know, a lot of guys become vulnerable when they do that. He's covered. You know, he knows exactly what he's doing, what he's looking for, when he can get it. Has a real good clock as far as knowing when I take off or You'll see him even sometimes take off and shut it down because he doesn't feel like he's going to make it. So he's just, he's really advanced at, at doing it on the basis from a base stealing standpoint. And, and there's no question that when he gets on, you've got to pay attention and be aware of him. You know, Gordon, if, and we understand that you've talked about this, not that you expect it from him, but you want him to be you know a bit more representative at the plate. But if he starts to get going with the way he plays defense, he's going to be pretty good. Well, geez, I hope so, right? I mean, this is the crown jewel of the organization. So, yeah, I would like to think. And, and if he holds it down defensively, they're not going to do anything with him. They're going to keep him up here. And, um, and and I'd have to say, looking at the lineup, 
if we were to make a range of people that I expect more from at this point, he's closer to the top than he is the bottom. Hmm. Right? There's there's some yeah. guys that are at the bottom. I don't expect it. I don't expect anything from Josh Donaldson at this point. I don't really expect anything from the catching situation. Volpe, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say he's up there with Torres and, and Rizzo and, and, and Stanton, but I think he's closer to that list from where he is right now than the, the list of guys that I don't really expect much of the rest of the way. I hear you. So, Gordon, you realize that uh, Willie Calhoun looks like he might have come up a little limp mm-hmm. in the game. So... Afterwards, the Yankee manager was asked, how have you handled injuries in the outfield this year? It's part of it. I mean, we got to play. Season doesn't wait for anyone, you know, and it's created opportunities for people and, you know, opportunities that a number of guys have taken advantage of. So, you know, it's what we prepare ourselves for. And, you know, you know there's going to th- be things that come up throughout the season, and you got to be ready for it as best you can. All right, Gordon, we've got two for you. All Are right, you ready? Here we do. Well, All right, go. it's time for Answers with Aaron. All right, you mentioned it. Let's talk about it. Here, the Yankee skipper was asked after the game, are the boos affecting Josh Donaldson? Hmm, are the boos affecting Josh Donaldson? I would think that he will say, he'll go no. Um, I, I think that he'll probably go the line of, He'll avoid the boos affecting him, and he'll just say something along the lines of that Donaldson is a veteran player. He's been around the block. He knows how this works, and that there's still he still expects him to turn it around. He's still hopeful. Not hopeful. That's not the right word. He's still expecting that Donaldson will show the kind of player that he is. He knows what kind of player he is, and he thinks that we're going to see it soon. All right. Aaron Boone, are the boos affecting Josh Donaldson? Yeah, I think he wants to show him, you know, because I, I think he knows he's got it in there. So there's probably a little bit of that, you know, wanting to show him and wanting to perform. You know, I, I really think up up until, you know, last two nights, he's been a little unlucky with his results. You know, last two nights and two tough right on right guys, too. Hasn't been quite as sharp. You know, so I think there's something too. you know, he's been around a long time and had a lot of success, though, and, and been in the eye of the storm in a lot of places in his career. So but I think there's a level of him that feels like I know what's in there. and I want to I want to show everyone. Come on. Come on, Larry. Now, Very he didn't good. say that he still believes in him. Yeah, he still says he believes in himself. That was pretty good. That was That's that was good. A, if Donaldson could hit like that, he'd be, he'd be hearing the cheers. <laughs> Here's your next one. All right. McKinney and Bauer have been huge for us. Oh. What is he going to say about these two guys? Well, you know, we saw something with these two guys. We're always looking for players, and they've really they've shown what their ability is. And uh, you love to see guys get a chance. And um, these guys have been key for us so far this season. McKinney and Bowers have been huge for us, eh, Aaron Boone? Answers with Aaron. I think of Billy now, it's just been consistent at bats day in and day out. Again, even if he gets a hit or not, you know, there's been a couple days he's he's probably gone over, but where I feel like, man, it's just good at bats, though. And, and today, more of that, obviously, another big home run by him and Jake, a big homer. Jake's done a really good job of impacting the ball. And, you know, and especially in the leadoff spot lately, you know, I feel like he's had really competitive at bats. You know, even some at bats that have ended and maybe outs, you know, he's, there's a little bit of a presence to him up there. 
Nah, not so good on that one. The first one I nailed. Yeah, first one you nailed. You did a good job. You did a good job, Gordon. I like the Yankees. Win one, lose one, win one, lose one. (laughs) Speaking of win one, lose one, I wish they would win one, lose one. But that has not been the way it's gone. No. Let's head to Houston where the Mets lose again by the score of 10-8. Mets were down early, but they fought back. They showed you something, Gordon, but it wasn't enough. Let's hear from uh, Buck Showalter to see what he has to say about the game. And, Buck, what went wrong with Tyler McGill tonight? It's command. Fairness to everybody, there were, what, 16 walks today? Uh, everybody was having trouble holding on to baseball. I know uh, Grant had ball kept slipping out of his hand. But Tyler's better than that. Uh, a lot of – he had some counts in his favor, 0-2 to walk. You know, pitches that are balls right out of your hand. You don't get any uh, chases when you're, you know, throwing up some pitches that just balls right out of your hand. That's where didn't get many early outs and counts. Had to, you know, work so hard for every out. Tried to – you know, we needed him to go deep like always, but didn't happen. Any concerns with the pitching staff? It's been a challenge. We've done some good things. Got a couple really good starts here. And we've had some periods where people have gotten out. I knew Otto was going to bounce back. It's been hard to get Robbie in the game, bring him in a different. We have brought him in different innings, but not the only one. We've got some guys that have some uh, have pitched well, just hasn't been, you know, the whole group. That's very seldom when the whole group, you know, when you look at the Astros, guys that have been doing it well for a long period of time are struggling some, but, you know, I don't really care about the Astros right now. But it, we got to get better at it. Yeah, you do. Uh, do you see any light at the end of the tunnel, Buck? The street track record, you know, you want to live in that what have you done for me lately world, you're not going to be uh, doing them a service and uh, got a long memory of how good they are. All right, so he's got confidence to go turn things around, Gordon. Uh-huh. I'm glad he does. <laughs> well, that makes one of us. Yeah, he's, uh, listen, he's he protects his guys, I'll say that. He protects his guys. Tyler McGill, Gordon, here's the line on McGill today. Two and a third. Four hits, five runs, four earned, four walks, two strikeouts, 63 pitches in two and a third. 63 pitches, 32 for strikes. Tyler? It was like that line from Major League when uh, Bob Uecker says, you can close the line, you can close the book on some. Thank God. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Tyler, what went wrong today? Just falling behind. Trying to be a little too picky with spots and whatnot, missing the top of the zone and falling behind, and then obviously not trying to groove, groove stuff in there from the hit. And then walking people, like I said, just falling behind. Very frustrating and more so, yeah, very uh, pissed off about it. Uh, are you struggling with anything mechanically? Is that what's going on? More so fastball command. I think all my off-speed stuff's playing really well right now. It's just more so getting ahead with the heater and, you know, just making mechanical changes in the season, and I just need reps. It's more so harder to get reps in between starts because trying to recover my arm and not try to throw as much. So just need to go out and trust it and, you know, fill up the zone. And he's been like this all year, Gordon. This is not like one or two starts. No. Yep, this, is, he's, this has been this way all season. Not the same McGill that helped the Mets last year. Not at all. And you know what the other thing is? Yes. I I noticed this watching the game today. Uh, Remember last year, it felt like the Mets were always leading. They always had a lead early on. Mm -hmm. I don't know what their numbers are. It feels like every game this year, they're always trailing. It's the complete opposite. Yeah, because the pitching has not been good. Exactly. That's why. Uh, And, of course, Gordon, there's the obligatory base running mistake. (laughs) Pete Alonso. Was your call running to first the correct one? 
I don't know. I mean, I just hit it back to the pitcher and just ran as fast as I could to uh, first base. I mean, watching the replay, like I was, I started up the line a little bit, but I thought I got got back towards like the, I guess like the running line. But I mean, that's umpire's discretion, and I mean, there's a lot of there's a little bit of gray area, but I mean, no, nothing I can do. I mean, I just hit the ball back to the pitcher and was just trying to react and get to first base as quick as I could. Another base running mistake, Gordon. It just happens. You know, it's base running mistakes. It's just they, they're just not playing well. It's, it's plain and simple. But I have to say this, Gordon. Daniel Vogelback, he's a new guy. Yeah. Three for five, three RBI today. Uh, he he has been a different person after coming back from his little hiatus. And he was asked, what's been different? Just getting back to being myself. I said through it all that I always believed in myself and um, believe that you know you just don't forget how to hit. You just went through a little funk, but I, this this isn't about me hitting. This isn't about me. No, this is just about us and us trying to win games. And you know I thought that today in a game that we could easily laid down when things you know got punched back. We kept punching back and we just um, ended up short against a really good team. So that's the situation. Unfortunately. Um... As you mentioned, they came up short again, and now they've got a series with Philadelphia, who they swept recently, Gordon, and I think Philly's been on a a hot streak ever since. (laughs) Well, compared to the Mets, everybody's on a hot streak right now. Yeah, that's true. uh, The Mets have owned the Phillies here the last couple of years, so if there's ever a time for a turnaround, this has got to be it. You're right. From your mouth to the bats and the pitching staff of the Mets, Gordon Damer. Let's hope so. Absolutely. That's a look around the league with the Mets and Yankees. When we return, we got some phone calls to take before we say goodnight on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Set to the phones, Gordon. Let's do it. Uh, Jose is in Brooklyn. Jose, you're up on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, Larry. Hey, GD. Hope you guys are having a good night. And just wanted to comment on the um, OB Toppin situation, but give you an update. I was able to sign up for the Amazon Prime um, free, um, free month free month aversion, so that way I could actually watch the Yankees. (laughs) I didn't want anyone to worry there because Grosso was just hilarious. I had me crying all all evening. just uh, as far as the OB topic situation, and this is where, because I'm not one of those guys that feels like, you know, OB Toppin has this untapped potential. I do understand he has his flaws. But the issue that I have is it is it, it is an issue with, you know, Tom Thibodeau and, 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 and how he's developed and how he's kind of sent an inconsistent message, um, in my view, because... There's certain players that he, if you're not looking good defensively, or if you're somehow think, um, if Tibbs thinks that your defense has more of a negative effect, he is going to hit you down. You know, aka, you know, RJ Barrett, aka Emmanuel Quickly, et cetera, et cetera. But when it comes to you know, you know, a certain favorite player like uh, Mr. Julius Randle. You see that Julius Randle sometimes has to look either god-awful and have, has to have the worst body language in order for him to be disciplined and sit down. And I think that that can be very frustrating and a mixed message when you're trying to, you know, convince younger guys to set an example and 
play this way and play that way, and we're you know you're you're giving um, differential treatment. And I understand that the production is the production, but when does it become where it does become hurting the development? Because um, what's the saying? A coach can't. Um, give you um give you confidence but he can take your confidence away mm-hmm. yeah so and that's kind of what i've been seeing with the ob um ob top to a lesser extent rj barrett to a lesser extent you know emmanuel quickly like in in these situations where it's just like you know what tibbs i i, I there, there, there's got to be some there, there's got to be a better way of doing this because this you just pretty in my mind this is a wasted pick and i know that you guys uh, i i know that the premise was that randall wasn't supposed to be here that long but they fell in love with the story and you know since you know this is uh this is now basketball is more of an agency sport with most agents being gms now <laughs> randall randall is you know the their big prize because randall was the one that came here so essentially they're going to treat him like you know he's their number one agent type you know situation and that's kind of, it, it, it kind of rubs me off the wrong way but i don't i because I, I don't agree with that premise but it is what it is yeah i hear you jose and you know listen and <laughs> they'll remember that when he's gone because <laughs> i think gordon he's, he's out of here I would be very surprised if he's still here this year. Oh, very yeah. surprised. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it, no. it already seemed like it was trending in that direction. And then as we get closer to the draft, it seems like it's uh, more and more heading that direction. No question. Buddha's in the Bronx. What's up, Buddha? Hey, what's going on, guys? You know, Gordon. Yeah, what's going on? The last time I, I heard the um, thing you said about the guy, Wimbanyama. Yeah, and I heard a report like that about somebody when they were coming out of college, and his name was Kevin Durant. <laughs> you be okay, careful. you think you he's going to be Kevin Durant? Be Sean Bradley. No, yeah. I don't know what he's going to be, but I mean, I know he's not going to be Sean Bradley. <laughs> oh no, I'm not saying he's going to be Sean Bradley either. But you know, Sean Bradley at a time people thought Sean Bradley was going to be good. He was the second pick in the draft. That was foolishness. If you oh, ever wow. watched him in college, you knew he was a sit. You know. Now, let's see what he turns into. I, I think he'd actually be good. The thing you just want to worry about with a guy like that size is his feet. Mm-hmm. Those big guys like that with their feet, that's that's like where things really don't go wrong. You know, um, you know. I'm listening to the thing. Nobody is happier that KP didn't come to the Knicks. <laughs> <They're on. laughs> that's right. <laughs> you, you, you did not want to see him back. No, I'm, I, I've seen that movie before. <laughs> I know how it ends. <laughs> oh, you know what's funny about Boston? They're doing everything but what they need to do. That, 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 even if it's a move like that, it means absolutely nothing. You know, Boston screwed up, and, you know, they had the opportunity. You know, I'm no mathematician, but Jason Tatum and Kevin Durant is greater than Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. I mean, I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. They, they, they screwed that up. When that was on the table, you should have jumped at that. Yep. I don't know what they're trying to do, trying to keep those two guys together. And it's similar to, like, with the Knicks, with Jalen Brunson and R.J. Barrett. They both score in the same places on the floor. Mm-hmm. Jalen Brunson is better player than R.J. Barrett, so he's going to fr- he's going to thrive, and R.J. Barrett's going to be up and down. It's similar to like with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. So you know, I-, I have no idea what they're doing, but you know what? Let's talk about the Knicks because you know this is a, a, a situation. They're, like, they're not my team, but you know I moved from like I told you. This mm-hmm. is a situation that's near and dear to my heart, man. 
You know, and I'm glad Obi Toppin. I mean, it took him maybe a year and a half. But I'm glad that he did whatever he needed to do, said whatever he needed to say, because he needs to get out of here. You know, my wife is sitting in the back. She's like, absolutely. Because, like, (laughs) first of all, you know, she's a Knicks fan. I mean, she's been tired of Julius Randle for a long time. And she's been tired of Tom Thibodeau for for a while. And the reason why people are tired of him, it's not whether somebody thinks Obi Toppin is going to be Sean Marion, the Matrix, or he's going to be uh, Amari Stoudemire. But the whole point is, you don't know what the hell he's going to be. With this coach, yeah, with this coach, he doesn't get the – first of all, if I'm the administration, as good as it has been that they're not a low-rung, bottom-rung team, they're winning 40-something games, you've rendered four or five people on this street. You, you reduce their trade value to nothing because you give them inconsistent minutes. You understand what I'm saying? And also – you know, let's be let's be for first of all, in my humble opinion, and I know I told you this before, the Knicks should have had explored that Becky Hammond opportunity. I mean, I'm just saying, mm-hmm. first year in the WNBA wins the title. I'm just saying, mm-hmm. yeah. but you know, the the, the thing is, with, you know, yeah, right. But the thing is, is that when you look at a guy like Tibbs, I, and you guys you guys say Tibbs guys, first of all, give me one of the Tibbs guys that has a ring. That's number one. But besides that, it's you know. Forget about that he wears on the players through time and all this other stuff. You know, th- th- what happens is is that you the Knicks, they have a strong defensive identity that, you know, basically got them to a certain point. The ceiling is, uh, what, the, ceiling is the roof. The ceiling yeah. is the ceiling with the Knicks. They reached yeah. the ceiling, and yeah. they're not going to go any further. So with, with Tibbs, I just want to ask one question is, and I ask any of you guys who are Knicks fans, what offensive scheme do the Knicks run? Jalen, go get your own shot. Yeah, it's, it's ISO. It's ISO, Buddha. We got to run, my friend. Thanks for the phone call. Tell Mrs. Buddha hi. Uh, it's ISO ball. That's what it is. So, you know, Gordon, they're going to have to fix some things. We'll yeah, step well, aside. They, yeah. Uh, they got further this year than they did previously. So, I yeah. don't know. Seems not so bad. Yeah. All right, my friend. Have a great weekend. I'll see you. I'll be listening Saturday, and I'll uh, see you next week. Sounds good, Larry. All right, that wraps up this edition of ESPN New York Tonight. We thank you for joining us. Harvey, Joe, thank you very much. Christoph Porzingis is a Celtic. Freddie and Fitzsimmons will give you the details next, right here on 98.7 ESPN New York.